0: Chapter 1 of A Lady's Captivity Among Chinese Pirates in the Chinese Seas. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit librivox.org. A Lady's Captivity Among Chinese Pirates in the Chinese Seas by Fanny Lovio, translated by Amelia Ann Blandford Edwards. Chapter 1 departure from Havre, regrets, a barrier of rocks, Rio, Janeiro, departure from Rio, six weeks at sea, Cape Horn, storms, death of a sailor, catching a shark, land, land, the gold country. In the year 1852, on a fine spring morning, I arrived in Havre with my eldest sister, who was going on commercial matters to California. We spent several days in Havre, and on the thirtieth of May, being Whit Sunday, we embarked on board the little French schooner called the Independence, the captain whereof engaged to touch at Rio for food and water. Besides the captain, the master, and the crew, our vessel carried eighteen passengers all of whom were going to seek their fortunes in California. The weather was superb, and our captain took advantage of a favorable breeze to set sail. The quay was crowded with spectators, and it was not without some dismay that we overheard their observations on the size of our schooner. Never, said they, can such a boat double Cape Horn. The least puff of wind must swamp a nutshell like that, It is easy to conceive the impression which opinions such as these were calculated to produce on two inexperienced Parisiennes who, like my sister and myself, were travelling for the first time. We looked hesitatingly in each other's faces, but it was too late. The time for hesitation was gone by. In another moment we heard the captain cry, Let go the moorings! All was now over, and the great sacrifice was accomplished. Farewell, dear friends, Farewell, France, Farewell, Paris, Which is a fatherland within a fatherland. Farewell, all that is comfortable, Farewell, fashion, amusement, Peaceful sleep, home comforts, Farewell, in fact, to all that makes life pleasant. For five months, at the least, I must sleep in a hammock instead of a bed, The sky must be my ceiling, And the sea my floor my only music will be the sound of the breaking waves and the untaught songs of the sailors we are going to seek our fortunes to seek but what to find leaning sorrowfully over the side of the vessel my heart full of a thousand hopes and regrets i waved my handkerchief in token of farewell to the friends i left behind me first the jetty receded then angouville with its amphitheatre of houses which owes its celebrity to Alphonse Carr, then Cap-la-Eve, and then there remained only the sky and the ocean. We spent seven days in the Channel, seven days of rain and fog, with a leaden sky above and the angry waves below. I was very ill during this part of the voyage. Not till the Sunday, which was the seventh day after our departure, had I strength to venture upon deck." The beacon off the lizard point was just visible, and I stood there watching it till the light finally disappeared. The passage of the Bay of Biscay was accomplished, not without danger to our fragile bark. At length, after fifteen days on the sea, we came within the influence of a Brazilian climate. I was never weary of admiring those clear skies and glorious sunsets, the beauty of which no art could adequately reproduce. We were rapidly approaching Janeiro, when we were one day startled by a sound like the rolling of distant thunder. The sea was calm, there was not a cloud overhead, and no other ship in sight. The deck was crowded in an instant. The noise grew louder, and we gazed tremblingly in each other's faces. The mate, who was on the lookout, cried, ''Breaker's ahead!'' ''Helm about!'' replied the captain. The order came just in time. Happily for us, our little schooner escaped with only a scratch. Brief as this incident had been, the women were all either fainting or shrieking. As for me, I was petrified. I had not really understood the imminence of the danger, but I always looked upon the captain's face as a kind of sea barometer, and on this occasion the barometer fell considerably. My poor sister was overwhelmed with terror. Cheer up, said I you have been longing for an adventure ever since we started and here is a promising commencement eight days after this we were in the roads of rio janeiro and came in sight of the sugar-loaf mountain which towers above the bay i can hardly believe that there exists under heaven a more exquisite scene it is ineffaceably engraved on my memory i can still see those wooded hills those solitary creeks those delicious valleys those trees which never know an autumn tint, that immense expanse of sea, and all that marvellous landscape, which, even as one looks upon it, seems more of a dream than a reality. The entrance to the port is defended by several forts, amongst which are those of Santa Cruz, Villa Gagnon, and the Isle of Serpents. These two last, which are the most imposing, are built upon islands lying within the bay. At Rio Janeiro, We rejoiced to resume the manners and habits of Europe. Rio is, as everyone knows, a purely commercial city. The harbour, the exchange, and the markets are crowded with merchants and sailors. The variety of costumes, the songs of the negro porters, the chiming of church bells, the diversity of languages and faces, German, French, and Italian, all contribute to give a strange and lively aspect to the city during the fifteen days which we passed at rio janeiro we visited all that was worth seeing in the city and its environs the mountains towards the northeast are much built over it is there that the jesuit college the benedictine convent the episcopal palace and the fort of Conceado are situated the architecture of these buildings appeared to me both heavy and ungraceful but i much admired the aqueduct finished in eighteen forty which brings the water from the torrents of corcovado down to the city fountains the imperial palace of saint christopher is built at some distance from rio and is approached by a portico and a double colonnade the promenade in front is planted with mangoes and laurels there like a true parisienne i did not fail closely to observe the toilette of the brazilian belles. although these ladies profess themselves the devoted followers, of our French fashions, they still indulge the Portuguese taste for ornament. The amount of jewels worn by each would be sufficient to stock a shop-window, and they chiefly love to dazzle from a distance. On the whole they are pretty, though perhaps a little too pale and sallow. With strangers they are familiar, perhaps even somewhat coquettish, and their nonchalance is particularly amusing." lounging nearly all day on sofas covered with matting they disdain mere household matters as to their education they never receive any and their conversation is of the most uninteresting description their favourite topics are their slaves and their servants it is no unusual sight to see these indolent women rouse themselves from their habitual lethargy to run long needles into the arms or bosoms of the negresses who wait upon them The society of rio janeiro is divided into coteries. the young emperor of brazil patronizes art science and letters his people occupy themselves only with trade and money-getting indeed it is not long since a parisian bookseller of whom i inquired respecting the literature most in favor at rio replied that the books which sold best in the brazils were those with red bindings as to the commerce of rio it has increased of late to an enormous degree. Sugars, coffees, cottons, rum, tobacco, and other articles of native produce are exported every year to the value of several millions of piastres. I can never forget the delight with which I visited the environs of Rio, or the delicious excursion that we made to the neighborhood of Tijuca. It took us two days to get there, but we halted for the night at a plantation, Where we were received with the utmost hospitality starting by daybreak the next morning we proceeded through a labyrinth of delightful paths and soon found ourselves face to face with the famous cascade which is here precipitated into the midst of an amphitheatre of rocks in the presence of this spectacle i must confess in justice to myself that i began to be somewhat consoled for the absence of paris and the boulevard des Italiens. often O shade of louis quatorze as i had seen the great fountains at versailles i now found them surpassed less agreeable i admit was the knowledge that these vast solitudes were peopled with jaguars and other ferocious beasts after all i prefer to admire wild animals in the jardin des plantes having laid in fresh provisions the captain took advantage of the fine weather and we left rio janeiro my sister and i had also stocked ourselves with good things amongst the rest with a large quantity of delicious little oranges fine-skinned perfumed and sweet which are sold in rio for a mere song on the seventh of july we set sail once more for california seeing our little schooner depart on so long a voyage the brazilians proved to themselves quite as discouraging as our evil prophets of havre the independents said they and never weather the tempests off cape horn my sister implored me not to continue our voyage but although i partook of all her fears i remained inflexible independently of my desire to make a fortune i felt myself impelled to go farther and farther away and court the very dangers that i feared i was proud of having crossed the line and could not have borne to pause when halfway on the road i had not much confidence in our schooner but had we chosen to go on by another vessel we must have paid our fare twice over and we had already spent as much as was consistent with our means behold us then once more at sea and this time for two or three months at the least we talked it is true of touching at lima but on this head there was nothing certain our living was detestable and despite the expostulations and even the blows with which our chef was stimulated he never seemed to improve my belief is that he cooked entirely by chance wearied to death were we of potted meats cabbage soup and half boiled cod these details are not poetical but the facts are painfully true on board the steamers which put frequently into port and carry cattle on board the bill of fare is generally excellent but in small merchant vessels such as the independence the food is but too often scanty and unwholesome for a whole week we had the finest weather imaginable there were five women on board and we sewed embroidered and played at lotto as cosily as in our own homes every evening we all assembled upon deck there we talked and sang and the singing it is true was not always very good but at sea one's audience is not critical besides it was pleasant to listen to french airs and choruses and when far away all that recalls one's fatherland is a welcome by the way i have forgotten to observe that our crew was entirely french and now the weather began to grow colder and the sea become more boisterous no longer rocked us like a kindly nurse but flung us rudely to and fro our embroidery our lotto our singing came abruptly to an end and we found ourselves subjected to all the miseries of a maritime journey. Every face was pinched, yellow, and discontented, and only groans and complaints were heard on every side. We were not absolutely in any kind of danger, but we were the victims of sickness and ennui. Thus several long weeks went by, and, day by day, the cold grew more severe. At length we came in sight of Cape Horn, clad in ice, involuntarily i thought of all the evil prophecies which had accompanied us since we started but to my great surprise the nearer we approached the cape the more tranquil grew the sea a dead calm ensued for forty-eight hours we never stirred a foot at length towards the evening of the second day the weather changed the sea became agitated and this time we found ourselves indeed menaced with one of those sudden storms which are peculiar to these latitudes. The captain instantly took in every sail. At this moment a young sailor was carried off the yards by a sudden squall, and was not missed until it was too late to save him. I can still hear the voice of the captain calling and counting his sailors. Jacques, Pierre, André, Rémy, Christian, Robert, where are you? Here, sir. And Jean-Marie? Jean-Marie? But Jean Marie replied not. He had disappeared for ever, and of our eight sailors we had lost one. Poor Jean Marie had been our ship's carpenter. It was his first voyage, and he was to have been married on his return. That night all on board were sleepless. They were right, thought I. This Cape Horn is indeed a deadly and a dangerous spot. The moaning sea and the sighing wind furnished a dreary accompaniment to these somber thoughts. For twelve days we remained tossing to and fro without making any appreciable progress on the thirteenth we doubled the cape soon after this we sailed into a warmer latitude and crossed the line for the second time and now the provisions became more and more scanty wherefore we all complained bitterly of the shipowner eight or ten days more must perforce elapse before we could arrive at san francisco and Should we be delayed by contrary winds, it was just probable that we might die of hunger on the way. I began now to regret my own obstinacy, and wished that I had yielded to my sister's entreaties. While we were yet in this dilemma, our sailors caught a shark. It was so big that even after it was harpooned and hoisted on board, I dared not venture near it. Armed with their knives, our men speedily dispatched it. It then was delivered over, piece by piece, into the hands of our abominable cook, who seasoned it with different sauces, and, horrible to relate, served it up for three successive days. We had, however, endured so many privations that every one pronounced it to be delicious, and only the captain and two sailors refused to eat it. Even they refused not from disgust, but superstition, believing that one day or other, they might chance to be eaten in return if there be a delight unknown to those whose careless lives glide by in lettered leisure if there be a joy untried by those sybarites of great cities who seek to exhaust the pleasures of this world without risk or fatigue it is that immense and ineffable rapture which overflows one's heart at the close of a long sea voyage not till one has spent six months of life between the sea and the sky, the plaything of tempests, and subject to all the dangers of shipwreck and fire, is it possible to comprehend the intoxication of feeling with which one hears the sailor up aloft pronounce that magic word, Land! Land! Everybody rushes on deck. The women burst into tears, for thus they translate every emotion of joy or sorrow. And the men, eager and triumphant, congratulate each other upon the distance and the dangers which are over at last. At sight of San Francisco, our passengers forgot all the sufferings of the journey, and began dreaming once again of the good fortune which awaited them. My sister and I followed the general example, and, for us, the present were all the pleasant colours of the future. Poor France, thou wert soon forgotten, and we already opened our arms To this inhospitable land where gold is the only true god. End of chapter one. Recording by Karen.